For those of you who, who I don't know yet, or maybe we've met each other but don't know much about each other, let me just share with you the like 30-second rundown of who is this guy. Who is, who is Andrew Weibel? Uh, I was raised in Waco, Texas. Any other Wacoans in the room? I know there's a few of you guys. So that's what I like to hear. Uh, good representation today. Bad representation on the football field yesterday. Uh, but at least the season is over. My misery ended last night at about 11, um, and it will continue through next season probably. But raised in Waco by incredible parents, going to church. Um, in fact, not only what, did we go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, but my parents were church planters. They jumped in on this wild adventure 20-plus years ago of Antioch Community Church Waco being planted, which is now turned into 40-ish, I don't actually know the number anymore, churches across the U.S., including this one, and hundreds of missionaries sent internationally. I think we're supposed to call them field staff or something around here, but people going and sharing the gospel at other places in the world, um, over 100 locations there, and it's just incredible to be a part of, and that was what I was raised in, uh, was that environment. Uh, fast forward a little bit, I give my life to Jesus at vacation Bible study, uh, vacation Bible school as a little kid. Um, actually, my uncle was leading it, and my brother gave his life to Jesus the same day. What a cool moment. Uh, but it wasn't until seventh grade that I had a real moment that, that shifted my faith. I was on a mission trip with my family, got met by the Holy Spirit, God spoke to me for the first time, got to share a prophetic word over a, a lady that was there, and God rocked me. It changed how I viewed my faith. It changed how I walked with God. So fast forward a little bit. I get into college, going to the Baylor University, and had a great time there. Met my wife the first week of school. We did not get married the first week of school, but got married before graduation. Graduated and then moved down to Austin with J.D. and Liz Griffin and crew here in the front. Which, guys, we have incredible leaders. Can you all give it up for J.D. and Liz? So thankful. We call J.D. our lead pastor because senior sounds old and we don't want him to feel old. Um, so our lead pastor, J.D. Griffin, but they moved down with them after graduating and have been on this adventure the last almost seven years of living in Austin, calling Austin home, believing for the presence of God to change this city. Um, and that was just the last 29 years, right? Who knows what my journey with God will look like for the next 29, for the rest of my life. Uh, but that's the beauty of following God. That's my faith journey, and I know in this room there's so many different faith journeys out there. And today, what I want us to dive into is we've, we've come out of our reset series talking about the cultural reset of the year of Jubilee in us and how that affects our city. And we're about to go into Advent talking about anticipation of Jesus coming. And this is the little weird middle week where I just got to preach on anything. And I thought, you know what, what better topic than preaching on faith? of what it means to grow our faith to, in a time where faith is a polarizing word, not an encouraging word. What does it look like for us as believers to grow our faith? There's a verse in John 20, verse 29. This is what I tell my middle school life group. If you don't know, one of my side gigs around here, I specialize in doing side gigs here at Antioch Austin. One of my side gigs is I'm our middle school life group leader. So shout out to my middle schoolers. Sorry we don't have life group this week, but if you did bring your Bible, I will still give you candy after the service, all right? So, and that's for you adults too, all right? Candy after the service for anyone who brought a physical Bible to church. Phone Bible does not count, uh, so you will not get candy for that. But John 20 verse 29 says this, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet believed. Jesus gives this promise. He says, look, there is a blessing to those. There are those of you who have walked with me, who have seen my miracles, who have seen my teaching, and you have believed. But there are those who will come who will not see me 
And if they have faith in me, there will be a blessing that comes with it. And that's the reality that all of us live in today, right? We live in this place where none of us can see him because he's seated in heaven with the Father, but we get to choose to have faith in him. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, this season in between Thanksgiving and Christmas is a time when I often become distracted from my faith. Now, I I know hopefully I'm not the only one in the room, but I have a skill that I think others of us in this room have. My wife may not call it a skill, but I call it a skill set, that I start things really strong, and then I kind of wane towards the end, right? Some of you guys have house projects that have been sitting there for five years that you started uh, and haven't finished and maybe will never finish, but I realized I wasn't alone when I went to the dentist a couple years ago. Now, I don't love going to the dentist. I took a 12-year break before I was married. Uh, But I I go now, my obligatory, every six months and, you know, get them cleaned. Right? They look great. Thank you. You can tell me after church. But I go to the dentist a couple years back, and I I have this feeling that I'm really thankful for where I realize I'm not alone. Uh, You know, when you go in to get your teeth cleaned, the dental hygienists always want to talk to you. And it's so awkward because their hands are in your mouth right? They've got like toothpicks the size of golf clubs, and they're making funny noises, and, and they're asking you questions like, so, tell me about your family. And you're like, I don't know, I went to Thanksgiving, uh, right? You can't do anything. So you're like, they're trying to have this conversation, and she's like scraping and making my gums bleed because I don't brush my teeth hard enough or something. And then she's doing the little like whirly thing with the nasty toothpaste that's like, you know, this thick, and you're like, I don't understand what she's doing, and it's all the whirling, and then they use the tiny mouth vacuum, which is my favorite part. It's like, uh, gosh, is anybody else just entertained at all the cool tools? Um, Me, just me. All right, that's fine. So finally, she gets all the tools out of my mouth. She sets them on the tray, and me, being the strategic thinker I am, I think, you know what, if I ask her a question, she won't ask me anything else. So I'm like, okay, i got to think of a good question. So I look over, and on her computer screen, it's just dogs, tons of dogs. And I'm like, so, do you have any dogs? I'm like, yes, I don't have to talk the rest of the time. She turns to look at her computer screen, and as she turns, the unthinkable happens. She turns on the water pick with her hip. So I'm sitting, you know, immobile in the chair, and she turns on the water faucet, and it starts just shooting onto my shirt. But she is facing completely away from me, telling me about her dogs. So she's like, yes, I have this dog and that dog, and she's going on. And have you all ever had one of those like out-of-body experiences where it feels like you're in a movie, right? You're like, it couldn't have been longer than 10 seconds, but I swear I watched myself there for a minute in misery, just as my shirt is growing and water spot growing on me, and thinking like, this is both horrible because now I'm wet and I'm going to have to walk out of here wet, but at the same time, this is hilarious and I kind of hope it goes longer, <laughs> like build the story, right? We joke around here that uh, as a preacher, you have to have terrible things happen to you so that you can use them as sermon illustrations down the road. So I'm like, you know, log this away. So I'm sitting there in the chair. I'm getting soaking wet, and she turns around, and I'm, you know, you would expect that, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Weibel. I, you know, ah, like, I'm so sorry. You know, maybe a towel, something to drop. Nothing. Not a word. She turns off the water pick and never acknowledges it. I mean, it's like, you know, they put the little paper towel on you as if that's going to stop anything, and the paper towel is just drenched wet, and my shirt is like all wet underneath it. Not a word. And she, you know, finishes cleaning up my mouth and discharges me, and I walk out of there just half wet all across my shirt. I still wonder what the front desk lady thinks about me. You know, like, what is happening in that that room where he's getting his teeth cleaned. 
But it made me thankful because I realized I'm not the only person who starts strong and can wane with distraction, right? I'm not the only person who can start off with a good intent in mind and then kind of lose our way along the road. Now, I'm thankful that none of you are my dental hygienist because it could have gone incredibly worse, right? I couldn't be missing a tooth if JD was my dental hygienist. But I'm thankful for that. But still, I walked away and I'm like, wow, I'm not the only person who loses focus. And now, thankfully, not all of us lose focus all the time at work. That's a, that's a story that happened in my life. But I think all of us can say there are seasons where we lose our focus on growing our faith where our faith becomes set to the side, maybe because of life circumstance, maybe for you Thanksgiving came and your family is drama. And it's like, I just need to make it through three days in X city with X amount of family members and then I'll come back and I'll recover, right? And recovering is like sleeping for four days because it was so hard. Or maybe for you, uh, it's, it's the lack of routine. I know that's for me. When I get into this holiday season, you've got stuff on the weekends and you're traveling and you've lost the norm and you take time off of work and you're doing things you don't normally do and you just take a month-long hiatus from anything that stirs your faith. Right? You don't do your time with God in the morning because life is off, and you don't do this, and you're not coming to church because you're traveling every Sunday, and you just start to lose the rhythms of the things that grow your faith. But what I do know about you is that you are in this room three days after the turkey coma, still sleeping off turkey, which can anyone explain to me why turkey makes you sleepy? Like we eat other birds. Kareem knows. I'll talk to you after the service. We eat other birds and they don't make us tired, but why turkey? I don't know. Someone smarter than me, please tell me later. But what I know about you is you're in this room because you're hungry for your faith to grow. You're hungry to grow your faith in Jesus and your walk with God. And I know that's why you're here. And, and if you stick around at Antioch or if this is the only week you come, you'll hear us say that we love to find answers to our tensions in the Word of God. We love the Word of God. There are so many wise people that can give us good advice, but this is the foundation we stand on. This is where we run when we run into the tensions of life. And I love the Word of God, and today we're going to jump into a story of someone who felt the same tension of distraction away from the faith that they once had. And it's actually an incredible story. You can jump in with me in Luke 17. Again, I would love for you to have your Bible, learn how to read that for when you're not having a TV on stage behind me. But we're going to read from Luke 17, verse 11 through 14 to get us started here. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along, this is Jesus, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Man, what an incredible story. And to understand how incredible this truly is, you've got to understand some of the context of culture at the time. If you're reading in your Bible, like I suggested you do, you'll see when the word leprosy is mentioned, there's a little number that goes to the bottom of the page. I'm teaching like I'm teaching my middle schoolers, all right? When you go to the bottom of the page, it says, see Leviticus 13. Some of you read that and you thought that was another disease. Leviticus is not another disease for leprosy. It's actually a book of the Bible, earlier in the Bible. So if you were to flip back, I won't make you do it, you would land on a chapter titled Laws for Leprosy. Maybe the hardest chapter in the Bible to read, in my opinion. Right? It's all about skin diseases and how you're supposed to treat them. And all of you nurses are like, read Leviticus 13 in time with God tomorrow. Not me. I've read it. I'm going to move on. Now, I won't go into too many details here, 
But what you need to know is that when someone started to show a skin disease, this is in Leviticus 13, it's the, it's the, the plan to the people of God, when the, this disease would pop up, they would be required to go to a priest, to a pastor of the day. And from there, the priest had all sorts of rules. If you see this, do this. If this happens, do that. If this type of skin disease shows up, here's the protocol. Most of them included a week-long quarantine, which all of us can sympathize with after the last few years, right? So Jesus sees these 10 lepers, and he says, says to the lepers, go to the priest. And this would not have been a foreign concept to them. You know, to most of these guys, that's probably how they got to where they were. Outcast on the edge of the city, probably because they had gone to a priest, and the priest had said, you need to live in this colony. You need to live removed from anyone else. And he says, go to the priest. They cry out from a distance, and I love his response. He sends them to the priest. Now, I can't miss an opportunity to jump on a soapbox here. There is a trend that I've seen in people that I talk with and and around culture right now where people want to stop reading the Old Testament. They want to throw it out. It's hard to read. There's weird stories. It's hard to understand why people had multiple wives. It's confusing. I'm with you, right? But if we throw it out, then we lose so much because you have to understand in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says that he came not to abolish the law, not to destroy the past. He came to fulfill it. He came to answer the questions and fulfill what God had set up to be. And and if we throw out the Old Testament, we actually miss the opportunity to fully understand who Jesus is, which is a beautiful thing. It's one story that tells us all who Jesus is. Back off my soapbox. Jesus sends these dudes to the priest right out of Leviticus 13. He just tells them to do what the Old Testament told them to do. And then it says, as they went, they were cleansed. How many times had they been sent back to a priest? But this time, they're healed. He heals the ten lepers as they go. Now, before we keep reading Luke 17, we've got to understand these guys got what they came for. They had come for healing. They had reached out for healing, and it happened. They had received their gift. They had received their pursuit of Jesus, and they're met with a distraction, maybe different from the ones that we're met with. They're met with a holy distraction. Their prayer was answered. The thing they had longed for came to be. And like we have the opportunity to, or my dental hygienist lost the opportunity to, they have the opportunity to focus back in or to let their focus walk them away. Let's see what they did as we continue reading Luke 17, starting verse 15. It says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? He's like, Wait a second, I can count, and I know that I healed all of you guys. We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Right? Jesus is baffled, and he says to them, Rise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. See, I want us to get this. All ten lepers are cleansed. All ten who cried out to him are healed. They're all restored. Their bodies are cleansed. But only one went back to his healer. Only one returned to the man who had sent him on his way to be healed. And this man not only got healed, but he was the only one that got a lesson that day. And that's what Jesus taught him. He says, rise and go. You've come back to me. Now you can go. And he says, and your faith has made you well. Other translations say, and your faith has saved you. This was the only one who knew. You see, the other nine knew that Jesus was a healer. They knew that Jesus was a man of power. 
They knew that if they could find him, they could be restored. But there was just one Samaritan leper who knew what would happen when Jesus died and went to heaven. There's only one person in that group of 10 who knew that he could have a tool once Jesus was gone, and that was the tool of faith that would make him well. You see, Jesus taught him that it wasn't his works that made him well. We can get stuck in this trap of we have to do the ritual, we've got to show up at the right place, we've got to do the right things. And he says, you know what, it's not about the priest that makes you well. In fact, he was healed along the way. He says it wasn't his identity that made him clean. It wasn't just that he was a Christian or he was a this type of person or a Jew or he was a Samaritan. He was from a non-religious people and he too was healed. No, our leper friend left knowing that it was his faith in Jesus that had made him well. And that's what the other nine missed. You see, we started by reading John 20 verse 29 that says, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. The reality is that we can't see Jesus in the flesh because he is in heaven with God. He has ascended to one day return, but for now he is in heaven. And Jesus says though, but if you don't see me and believe, there is a blessing to be had on the back end of that. Because he knew that we would be reliant on faith, not sight. He knew that we'd be reliant on a trust that God is who he says he is. And because of that, we can learn so much from our our friend, the leper. We can learn so much from his story because he too learned that there was healing in the presence of Jesus. And that though he was physical for a time, that he was there with them, that there would be a time where faith was needed to trust in him. And that's the lesson that we get to lean into. And the challenge of that is that it's honestly easier to believe what we see than what we don't. Anybody else feel that way? It's easier to say, I see this, this is the reality in front of me, and therefore I believe that that is real. It's easier to do that than to say, I don't see it, I don't understand it. And there's so much that swirls around the word faith in our world today, right? There's thousands of definitions of faith. Faith could mean Buddhism, faith could mean Christianity, faith could mean you don't believe anything, but you have faith that nothing exists, right? Faith could mean a million things. It could be a a, a synonym for religion. Oh, do you have faith? You could interpret that as, oh, are you religious? It could be an emotional experience for you. Maybe there was this faith that something would happen. It could be a trigger word for past pain. Maybe you've been hurt by a faith figure in the past, by a a pastor or a small group leader. Maybe that's, it stirs pain in you. When I say the word faith, we have dozens of interpretations just in this room. And that's not including opinions that you can find on TikTok or with your college professors or your family of origin or the culture you live in. Actually, I find that faith is a more common word when used in deconstructing faith than when talking about actually believing something. Maybe it's a cultural thing, or maybe it's even in your own heart that you just ask this question, can I have faith and doubt things? It's a real question. It's a question many of us wrestle with. If, if I doubt, am I not being a fraud to say that I have faith? Can you have faith and unanswered questions about faith, about the Bible, about history, about the church? about the earth? Can I have hurt and pain and confusion with the church and say that I still have faith? These are real questions that if you don't wrestle with it, I promise that the people outside of these walls do. Your family, the kids that walk this school. But the Bible tells us that faith is a belief in things unseen. That's how Jesus said it's a a belief that the thing unseen is true. 
It's a choice to say, I don't know because I've never seen. I've never laid my eyes on the, the physical manifest Jesus on earth. But at the same time, I trust that Jesus is who he says he is. You see, faith requires a level of trust. And according to Jesus, that faith carries power that can lead to healing, that can lead to salvation, that can lead to breakthrough, and it comes with a blessing because we've never seen him. There's a beauty in the faith that wrestles. There's a beauty in the faith that says, I have questions and I resolve that I will never know the answer until I'm in heaven, but I will fall back on a faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus says there's a blessing on the back end of that faith, and I'm thankful for that. You see, our leper friend had faith when he said, I don't know this man. I don't know Jesus personally. I can't see how he's going to heal me when he's telling me to do the same routine that my mom made me do when I got leprosy, of go to this priest and do the routine. But he said, I will believe in him even if I don't see it. He said, I will obey this even though this seems to be the very situation that I put myself in when I got sick. And I love the word of God for so many reasons And yes, society has changed a little bit since the 30 AD range. It's a little bit different in 2023, but it's not actually that different. Uh, There's a lot of similarities. This man is surrounded by a group of people with the choice of how to act. Surrounded by his community, you could call it. And I believe that he teaches us three really valuable truths. If you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write these down and live them out. He teaches us three really valuable truths. And I believe that these three actions that the leper does will build your faith if you choose to live within them. The first is this, he and his community cry out to Jesus. We see at the start of the story that Jesus is just journeying through. He's actually in between two towns, heading to Jerusalem, and he's walking between them. And these these lepers were required to stay far away from society because of how contagious their disease was. And he, they cry out, Jesus, heal us! It had to have been from a distance. They had to have been crying out to him on the road. And the first key that we can learn from our leper friend is that we get to cry out for an encounter with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love being a Christian because he is not distant. God does not stay far away. He loves to come meet with us. And he loves our faith. He loves to show up when we display our faith to him, when we cry out, and faith, and I want to encourage you that you get to live this way, not just today, but you get to live this way this week at Life Group. When you gather for Life Group, it's not just a time to eat a meal and joke around, and if you have kids like my Life Group does, hope that no one gets hurt. It's a time to agree in hunger that God is going to move in the presence of people with faith, and he will encounter us. Maybe for you, it's reinvigorating your time with God tomorrow morning. It's saying, I've been reading this devotional, but I'm not paying attention to it, and I spend just as much time on ESPN and making my coffee as I do pretending to read my Bible, and it's saying, no, I'm going with hunger that God will encounter me as I get into his word. I'm going with hunger, believing that if my faith is present towards him, crying out to him, that he will meet with me. You get to cry out to Jesus, and I love that he meets us in our hunger. And I just want to say, church, we're in a time of re-stirring our hunger for Jesus. We've been talking about this in our staff meeting. We're no longer okay with lame times of worship. Thankfully, no, neither are you guys. You lean in with us. You believe with us. We are stirring our hunger, saying when we show our faith to Jesus, he loves to respond to us and meet with us. 
So the first thing that he teaches us is that him and his community cried out for an encounter with Jesus. The second thing we can learn from the leper, and I want you to take notes on this, is that he obeyed Jesus. Jesus gave him a simple command to do. And if I were the leper, I would have been a little frustrated that that's how he did it, right? Word had probably traveled about this Jesus guy, about how he does crazy stuff, right? He puts mud in blind people's eyes and then they see. He, you know, has people drop through the ceiling and he says, your sins are forgiven and then they can walk even though they've never walked. That there's these stories swirling of what this Jesus guy can do. And instead he tells me to go to the same priest that sent me to the edge of town all alone. Right? I would have been a little bit frustrated. I don't know that I would have obeyed that. But the Bible says, as they went, as they obeyed, they were healed. Here's what I want to say about this. Your faith is directly connected to your obedience to Jesus. It is directly connected. The more you choose to obey the word and the way of Jesus, the more your faith will grow. The more you choose to read this and walk another way, the more your faith will wane. There's a direct connection between our obedience to Jesus, to his Holy Spirit leading us, to his word guiding us, and our faith growing firm within us. So he obeyed Jesus. And the third thing is this. He went back to thank him and praise him. He went back to Jesus with a thankful heart. And I want to say this. If you return to Jesus with a thankful heart, if you come back to him, it will grow your faith. I believe that testimony is one of the greatest growers of faith that we could possibly have. The, the, the stories of what God is doing. When I moved to Austin, Emily and I moved down here, and there, the, the church was this, about the size of a life group starting to grow a little bit bigger than that, and God was moving, and he was starting to touch lives, but I felt a little bit lonely. You see, I had lived in Waco my whole life. I had friends that I had lived next door to for 21 years, that I had rich community. And my friends and I, we would do awesome Jesus things together all the time. My college roommates and I, not because the church told us to, would worship on Friday nights because it was fun to meet with God. That we would stir this faith and there was constant testimony of what God was doing in this sorority and what God was doing in this place in Waco and how God had moved in this country on this impact trip. And, and I, I left this rich community environment to planting something in a city where that is not the norm yet. It's becoming the norm, but it wasn't when we moved. And so I come to this place where I no longer am being fed by the stories of others. And I, 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 maybe y'all are holier than me and you don't do this, but I, I sometimes in my time with God will have those prayers that are more like complaining sessions, but I write them down in a journal to pretend it's holy, right? And I'm like, God, I'm angry. You brought me to a place where no one talks about you. You brought me to a place where none of my friends want to share their stories of faith that's going on. And I'm, I'm complaining, 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 and God, you know, lovingly sits there with me. And I finish and just, I felt this subtle rebuke from God as my time with God. And I felt like God said to me there in that time, Andrew, then why don't you be that person to someone else? And I was like, oh, oh Lord, you're right. I'm longing to hear people talk about the move of God, and I'm not sharing the gospel every day. I'm longing to hear people talk about the revelation that God has, has given them in their time with God, but when I go to lunch, for some reason I'm scared to talk about what I read that morning. And it broke something inside of me. And you'll, some of you have been in my life group before. I steal people's testimonies all the time. Here's, here's, here's your permission. Steal testimonies. 
All right, if you hear somebody in the lobby talking about how their mom got healed because we prayed for them in our life group, I want you to go to your life group next week and say, stolen testimony, so-and-so's mom got healed. All right, because there is power in us coming back with a thankful heart that God is real. He moves in our lives. Despite our circumstances, he is moving in this world, and it is powerful. So I want to encourage you. This is the phrase that landed on my heart. We're going to be Jesus people. We're going to be people that unashamedly talk about Jesus obnoxiously to where people are like, oh, here comes this guy. He's going to tell a story of what God taught him in his time with God. Here comes this girl. She's going to tell another story about how she shared the gospel on campus. Oh, here comes this guy. He's going to talk about how he started a Bible study at work, and he's told me 12 times, but he keeps telling me about this Bible study that he started at work, right? We're going to be those people because it builds our faith. And I want to say another challenge to this is that one of the easiest ways to, to lose our momentum in building our faith is when things start going well. I don't know about you, but when I start to get my prayers answered, my prayers become a lot less desperate. When I start to get my needs met, my, my prayers start to get a lot softer. My urgency to be in life group wanes a little bit. My desire to fall on my face in worship gets a little lower. And that's the challenge that this leper was faced with as well. Maybe for you, it's not even a challenge of, of needing to cry out for breakthrough. It's, it's needing to remind yourself, God is so good. Why would I not come back? Why would I not return to the presence of the one who's healed me? I don't know where you're coming from today. I don't know if your story is like mine, that you were a VBS Christian that got saved at the age of like one hand fingers, right? Five and under. Or if you're like, like me and you, you got met by the Holy Spirit in middle school. Or maybe for you, it's, it's you're exploring your faith and you came to church because you've got questions and you're hoping that this is the place that you're answering them. Or, or maybe this is just what your family does. And you're just here because your family comes to church after Thanksgiving, right? I don't know where you fall into the camp, but I know that this season will come with distractions. Maybe it'll come with fresh doubts about whether God is real or whether he really will answer the prayer of your heart. Maybe it'll be a hard family experience that happens over Christmas that loved ones come at odds against each other or someone that you really care about decides not to come to Christmas this year. I don't know what the challenge will be for you. Or maybe it's like the leper. It's a good thing. It's an answer to prayer becomes your disruption. But we're all going to have moments this season where the temptation will be to slide back from our faith. And no matter where you came in today, no matter what your distraction will be, I can tell you that the three truths from the word of God will hold strong as we grow our faith. It starts with an encounter with Jesus. If you cry out to him, he will hear you and respond. If you come to church with a hungry heart and worship, if you come to life group with a hungry heart to study his word, if you come before God daily and say, Lord, I want to meet with you. I don't just want to do a routine in the morning, but I want your presence with me. I promise that it will start with an encounter that grows your faith. Secondly, if you obey him, he will meet you as you go. If you choose to obey God, if you choose to say, you know what, I'm going to do what this word says, even when I don't understand it, even when I have to wrestle through some of it, even when it makes me ostracized from my family, even when it's not the popular thing to do, I'm going to obey the, the voice of God when he challenges me to share the gospel. I'm going to obey when he challenges me through a message that J.D. preaches on forgiveness, which if you didn't hear, you should go watch it on YouTube, right? It's the prompting of God saying, I'm going to obey when God calls and when we obey him 
it will grow our faith. I can promise you that. And lastly, faith, faith comes when we come back to Christ, either in difficulty or in, or in rejoicing. When we come back to Christ, you will meet with him and it will grow your faith. Faith says that distraction can wait. It's all about Jesus. It says doubt, that's fine. I've got faith anyway. It's okay to live with a little bit of doubt. It says, I can celebrate how faithful Jesus is no matter my current circumstances. You see, it starts with an encounter, grows with obedience, and comes back to Christ. That's what faith does for the believer. Starts with an encounter, grows with obedience, and always comes back to Christ. My question to you guys today before we go into ministry time is this. Where are you on your leper journey? Where do you fall in the camp? Are you waiting for an encounter with Jesus? Are you in the place where you're desperate, you're not sure about this faith thing, and you're like, I just need God to prove that he's real? There have been moments in my life of, of healing or, or places where God spoke where I was like, I don't understand how you did this, but it is undeniable that you are God. It's undeniable that you're real, and maybe you're waiting on one of those moments. Maybe you're waiting for Jesus to encounter you, to meet with you. Maybe today you came in and you know that to know him more, you've got to obey him more. You've got to say, okay, I can't just live the same way and show up to church on Sundays. I've got to live the way of Jesus. I've got to live the way of his word. I've got to live in obedience to the promptings of his Holy Spirit. I've got to live that way. Or maybe for you, you're coming back to Jesus in thankfulness and praise. You're coming back with a thankful heart going, Jesus is so good. I have to tell you what he did in my family over Thanksgiving break. Jesus is so good. I've got to remind myself that when I was in VBS, the gospel sank deep in my heart and it is still true today. Right? You're coming back with a thankful heart of praise and our band's going to come out and you guys can stand with me. We're going to have a moment to respond to God together. I don't know where you're at in those three places, longing for an encounter with God, needing to obey him to take the next step in walking with him, or coming back with a heart of thankfulness. But I know that all three will grow our faith today. I know for many of us, we may need people to come around us in prayer, and every Sunday we create opportunity for you guys to receive prayer. So if you're a life group leader, an elder on the Freedom Prayer Team, on staff, if you like praying for people, I want you to come down to the front, all right? Make your way. There you go. Don't be shy. The reason why we do this every week is because there is power in the church coming around and praying for each other. There was power in the 10 lepers obeying together. They went together and were healed. And if you're in need today of a touch from God, specifically this morning as I was just praying through my sermon again, I felt like God said that there's people in the room who may be struggling with pregnancy loss or infertility. If that's you, I'm going to come down on the front row and share a little bit of my story with you and pray for you. God is good. He wants to meet with you. But if you're like, man, I need a touch from God. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's the provision of God because your job went south. I want to encourage you to come down to the front and get prayer because we're believing that in the presence of two or more believers where faith is represented in the room, God shows up and he moves. 
Maybe another camp of you needs to turn to the person you came with and say, hey, you need to keep me accountable to obeying Jesus this week. He put on my heart to do this and I haven't done it. Will you be my accountability? Maybe that's you. Or lastly, maybe you need to praise God today. We're going to worship and I want to encourage you, this is a weird time of the service where you think the service is about to end. The service is still going, my friends. We get to respond in thankfulness to the Lord and it will stir our faith. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to start worshiping and we're going to come down for prayer because God is here and he's responding to our faith. Jesus, thank you that you said through your word in 2 Corinthians 4 that we look to things that are not seen but to things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, the things around us, but the things that are unseen, Lord, they're eternal. Lord, our faith in you is eternal. And again, in 2 Corinthians 5, Lord, you told us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And Lord, we just say today as we respond to you, would you grow our faith? Lord, would our hearts be stirred? Would you grow the faith within us in Jesus' name? Amen.